Good morning. Welcome to Blue Springs Christian Church. We are excited that you uh, came to worship with us today. We'd like to send a special welcome to those of you who are joining us online. If you are new to Blue Springs Christian Church, could you please text your name to the number on the screen? And if you are not new, this is your regular uh, church home. If you could just text us. Uh, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. If you're new here, text the word new. Thank you. Sorry about that. And if you are, uh, if you're not new, just text your name to the number on the screen. So if you could please stand and join us as we begin our worship this morning. Stop. 
Let's pray. God, you are so good. I just thank you for the rain today and the beautiful weather we had. And God, just thank you for letting us know that we are children of you. God, I pray for Adam today as he comes to speak and that you just speak through him. Lord, I pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? It is an important part of being a believer and a follower of Christ, of giving back just a portion of what he has given to us. And here at Blue Springs Christian Church, we invite all of those who call this their church home to do that with us on a weekly basis. Whether you do that by texting the word give to the number on the screen, going to our website, or using the offering boxes here on site, we appreciate you being obedient to God and giving back to him. This last year has been pretty hard for my husband and I. We have lost over a dozen people. And while each one has been harder, the hardest ones are the ones who had not professed a faith in Jesus Christ because, because we've lost them. And some of them thought they had longer time. Some of them, my husband and I, thought we had a longer time to have those tough conversations with. But if you are one of those people who's sitting on the fence or you know someone who needs to be reached. First off, you should know someone who needs to be reached. Um, but if you're one of them, we have a lot of things going on in February where we are showing God's love to people. And we want to invite you to invite them to join us, whether it's in our How to Study the Bible group, our How to Pray group, our Next Steps class on February 7th, many hours before the Super Bowl. Thank you. Or if it is for um, our adult baptism class. Death matters, and where we're going afterwards matters. Don't, don't have this guilt. Please reach out. We thank you for being part of this church, and we thank you for making the mission important. If you are new here, I invite you to let us know that you're new by texting new so we can get in contact with you. But if this has touched you, please reach out. We love you enough to care where you go next. Thank you for being here today. Well, good morning. Welcome this morning to Blue Springs Christian Church. We are glad that you are here with us. Uh, my name is Adam Masters, and I am the worship minister. And if you've been here before with us, whether you're joining online or here in person, you have seen me probably standing about right here with a guitar and a microphone. But today I get the opportunity to be able to share a message with you. Um, I, I just, I'm reminded of, of the goodness of the Lord as um, this, this message that we're speaking on today happens to be over uh, probably my favorite verse in all of Scripture. So we're going to be talking today about um, the transformation that God desires to do in our thoughts. So as we, be, as we begin here, I want to ask you a question. Are there any roller coaster fans in the audience? Roller coaster fans? Come on now. 
If you're joining us online, I want to ask you, what, what is your favorite roller coaster? If, if, you're, if you're joining online, feel free to type in what your favorite roller coaster. Well, for most of my life, for the majority of my life, I'm, I'm 27, um, in a month and a half I'll be 28. So for most of my life, 26 years of my life, I had this terrifying, terrifying um, fear, I guess you could say, of, of roller coasters. Roller coasters just absolutely scared me to death. Is there anyone like that in the room? Anyone who will not ride roller coasters? Okay, far, far more people in the room that will not ride roller coasters than those that will. You see, roller coasters actually are one of the safest um, forms, safest rides that we can take compared to a car, compared to anything else, because they have to be, because they've been tested, uh, they've been proven to be safe, or else they wouldn't be able to put them in theme parks. But I still allowed um, my, my fear, my fear of roller coasters, even though I knew it was true, even though I knew that they were safe, I allowed my fear of roller coasters to um, cause me to miss out on something that, that really is a, a great joy. And so, <laughs> a few years ago, I was, I was visiting a theme park with my wife, and I'd visited this theme park as I was growing up. Uh, I, I'd seen this roller coaster, and I, I always had in my mind that I was going to ride this roller coaster, but I was always somewhat af- afraid. Um, and so one day I said, one day I'm going to ride this ride, I'm going to ride this ride. Well, sure enough, it took 26 years in marriage for me to um, finally man up and, and ride this ride. So for whatever reason, on this day, uh, a few, few years ago now, I guess, um, I, was, I was at the theme park and I, I got on the ride with my wife. And then after that, I, thought, I said, man, I've been missing out on something for my entire life. And so then I got on it again and again and again and again. And then I rode actually every other roller coaster in the theme park. And as I reflect back upon this, I, I, I think about this point and I believe this to be true, um, that God has been teaching me this lesson. And, and that is that my thoughts, my thoughts, ultimately my fear of the roller coaster had the ability to control my life. My thoughts have the ability to control my life. Whether they're correct thoughts or incorrect thoughts, that that thought ultimately had the ability to dictate whether or not I got on that ride. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Our minds are incredible things. In fact, it is my belief that our minds are ultimately what sets us apart from the rest of creation. Now, there are obvious physical characteristics that humans have, unlike the rest of creation, but I believe it's ultimately our minds that help define us as human. We have the ability to conceptualize and think about things on a much deeper and spiritual level. We ask questions, right? We think about things like morality and God and eternity. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 3 that God has set the eternity on the hearts of man. The rest of creation doesn't think about these things. But we as humans are not like the rest of creation. We don't simply operate according to our instinct. Instead, we have the ability to rationalize and to choose right from wrong. And this is what ultimately makes us in the image of God. You see, the truth is our thoughts alone, according to Jesus, were enough to separate us from God. In Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 22, he says, You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not commit murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you were even angry with someone, you were subject to judgment. And again, in Matthew 5, 27, he says, you've heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, if any one of you looks at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Our thoughts are so important that, our, that they alone were enough to separate us from God. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you uh, today to open up to Romans chapter 12 and also Romans chapter 1. Today, we're going to be in Romans 12 
1 through 2, as well as Romans 1, 20 through 25. Again, I shared that, that Dave had approached me about, about sharing this message today, and I think it's probably because the, the ultimate impact that worship has on our minds. And I, I was just reminded, um, again, of how good the Lord is in, in preparing us for things like this because of this verse. Um, so Romans, Romans 12, 2, this says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, this is ultimately a promise to us. And the promise is this, when we choose not to be like the world and instead to be transformed in our thinking, then we will know the will of God. Is there anyone that's struggling right now, perhaps, whether you're online or, or here in person, to know what the will of God is, whether you're praying through a decision or, or trying to understand what it is that God is trying to tell you to do? Paul says, don't be like the world. Instead, be renewed, how? In your way of thinking. And then you will know the will of God. If you were here last week, you know we talked about the transformation that God desires to do in our physical bodies and the importance of our, our physical health. And that is incredibly important for this message, leading into this message. And it only makes sense that this week we are going to talk about the transformation he wants to do in our minds. I think you'll find that the two are undoubtedly linked. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your, spir your spiritual service of worship. So, like I said, you've, you've seen me up front here uh, playing guitar, and I just want to share with you, I, <laughs> I actually started, of all things, I started playing a five-gallon bucket in worship. I'm not kidding. So, from the time I was a young, young boy, I actually started playing drums with my, my, my parents are in the ministry, and so I grew up kind of doing that, and we didn't have a drummer or anything like that. It was a small, just church plant. And so I actually started by playing on a, on a five-gallon bucket. I'd sit down. I think it was like on the steps or something like that. I'd play, you know, on the, on the five-gallon bucket. And then that transitioned into to playing a drum set later on. And then I, I learned how to play guitar because we needed a, a guitar um, player for our youth worship band. And then after that, I, I felt like the Lord was calling me into worship ministry in college. And so I, I started to lead worship at that point. And, um, you know, over this time, worship has, I, I've always kind of been, on, on, at the stage, you know, for worship. But I'm, I, I, over this time, I just feel like the Lord has been teaching me this, this truth, and that is worship is so much more than what takes place when we come together here in person. Worship is so much more than what takes, what takes place when we come together in, in worship. There are two words that are used for worship in the, in the New Testament, two Greek words that are used. The first one is latreia, and that, that word literally means a loving loving or adoring something or someone to the point of giving up their own life for that person or thing. So it's this adoration or this love for something so much to the point that you're willing to give up your life. The other word used in the New Testament is doxa, which means to, and I, I, wanna, I really want to guide your attention to this, which means to appear, to seem, to think, and to accept in both cases, this idea of worship is not just something that takes place in our actions or deeds, but even in our thoughts. You see, true worship requires every part of us, even our thoughts. We are all, uh, I'm sure you, you're somewhat familiar with the Roman culture and, um, you know, if you've seen the movie Gladiator or one of those kind of movies that gives you a history of, of the Roman culture, you may know a little bit about that or maybe you study that in school. 
You see, Rome, to, who, uh, to whom Paul is writing here, had accomplished things unlike any nation to that point. They had a powerful army. They had a great deal of territory and influence. They were a diverse empire, right? They, they were spread out all over the nor- northern Mediterranean southern, uh, and southern Mediterranean, as well as up into Europe, so on and so forth. They were educated. They had built these great buildings in an effort to impress and leave a mark of their nation on the rest of the world. And some of these buildings, in fact, were used as places of worship. And so I want to show you a picture here. This is the Colosseum. I, I know you guys have probably seen this before. Uh, but you'll notice, you know, this, this, this place is pretty uh, worn down at this point. But 2,000 years ago, believe it or not, the Colosseum was said to be able to seat 50,000 people. To give you um, just kind of a, a comparison for those that are going to be watching the game this evening, Arrowhead seats about 70 to 75,000, okay, pre-COVID. Um, but but, but uh, the Colosseum, they said, would seat about 50,000 people. And that's pretty incredible to think about because it's really not, it doesn't look that big, right? It's a little bit smaller than, than Arrowhead. Not a little bit, quite a bit smaller. I heard the other day that they're actually trying to renovate this to its former glory, and I don't, I don't quite know how that's going to happen, but we'll see about that. In all of her accomplishments, in all of her splendor, in all of her wisdom and pride, I think we all know what happened to, to Rome. Why? Because the Roman way of thinking, especially in, in their attitude towards worship, was off. You see, our thoughts have the ability to control our lives, and we see where this building is today. Let's turn, if you, are, if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Romans 1, Romans 1, verse 20 through 25. And if you have your Bible, I also want to encourage you to underline some words or just make a mental note of these words as, as I read them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood, I want you to underline understood, from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew, I want you to underline the word knew, God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but in their thinking, underline thinking, became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth, underline truth, about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Church, I'm convinced that like Rome, we can be the greatest nation on earth. We can have all the knowledge, all the power and authority, all the influence and education. We can have all the diversity, all the initiatives, buildings and infrastructure, all the details figured out and all the right people in place. But if we are off in our focus of worship, if we are off in our thinking, then we're in great danger. Because worship requires every part of us, even our thoughts. We don't worship the things of this earth. Though she may be lovely and wonderful, I don't worship my wife. Though it may be wonderful and pleasing, I don't worship this room or the music that we sing in it. Though they may be the best college football team in the history of the the nation, I don't worship the Oklahoma Sooners. Though it might be a gift of God, I don't worship education. I don't worship diversity and the inclusion of all people. Those, Those are of God. I don't worship the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't worship Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok, or Netflix. I don't worship Donald Trump. I don't worship Joe Biden. 
Paul writes just before this in Romans 1.13, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to save. We worship and serve Jesus Christ and him alone. Church, our minds have the ability to control our lives, and if God is not in the rightful place in our minds, then how can we expect him to transform any other part of our lives? Because this is a battle, and it's a battle that takes place right here. Satan is well aware of the power of our minds, and he knows that if he can get us off in our thinking, then he knows he can get us off in the rest of our lives. You may remember the story of the creation of the world and the downfall of man in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And God had spent the first five days of creation to make all that mankind needed to survive, and it was paradise. Then he made Adam and Eve in his image and told them to take care of the earth and multiply in number. And then he, he told them that they could eat from any tree in the garden except that which contained the knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. God was very clear about his instructions for mankind. He tells Adam in Genesis 2.16, but the Lord God warns him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Church, I want to point something out to you, and, and some of you may agree with this, some of you may not. But I, I do want to say this, that the scripture refers to the tree as the, the tree that contains the knowledge of good and evil. But God had already told them what was right and wrong. He told them what was right and wrong. But what he did tell them was that if they ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, that's not to say it's not the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. And then in chapter 3, we were introduced to this character of Satan, which literally means the adversary or the accuser. And I, wanted, I, want, I want you to notice how Satan first appeals to Eve by appealing to her mind in Genesis 3, 4. He says, surely you will not die, for God knows in the day that you eat from, it, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, he makes it seem like they're missing out on something. He makes it seem like God had cheated mankind by not giving them the knowledge of good and evil and that they were already not made in the likeness of God. Indeed, their eyes were opened when they ate from the tree. We read that in scripture. But it wasn't because they had gained anything. It wasn't because they had gained the knowledge of right and wrong. God already told them that. It's because what God said to be true was true. And her disobedience, their disobedience led to death. Satan always targets our minds first. You see, Satan is a liar, and he knows God's word and deals in half-truths to, to make him seem trustworthy. This is why it's so important that we know what God says to be true. Church, if we truly want to be transformed in our thinking, we must replace the lies with the truth of God's word. I'm convinced that behind every sin, there is a lie. Let me say that again. Behind every sin, there is a lie. And we must be diligent to recognize the, those lies and replace them with truth. We must replace the lies that Satan feeds us with the truth of Scripture. You may be aware of the story in Matthew chapter 4 as well as Luke chapter 4, in which Jesus is led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. And each, we're given three different examples of, of Jesus being tempted. And each one of those, those temptations, you, you'll notice that Satan actually brings Scripture to, to Jesus, right? He always uses scripture to try to get Jesus to fall into temptation. And in the same way, Jesus responds with scripture in context. So you see, Satan knows scripture well, and so we have to know scripture well. And that's, that's how Jesus fought this temptation, was by knowing scripture 
and knowing it in context. Let me ask you a question. If I were to ask you to recite right now Philippians 4.8, Philippians 4.8, could anyone do that? Philippians 4.8. I'll give you a hint. It's not, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not that one. Philippians 4.8. Okay, but if I were to ask you, what was the first song we sang together today? Whatever is true, whatever is right, right? Whatever is pure. That is Philippians 4.8. That, that's literally Philippians 4.8 put to music. And this, this is part of the beauty of, of worship ministry and worship music is that it, it puts, I'm sorry, it takes scripture and puts it to music in order for us to, to more easily memorize it. It's important that we understand the importance of scripture. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to lead into some points here on that thought, the importance of worship. We live in an age of information. And I don't know about you, I can't hardly watch the news or Facebook without becoming confused. We live in troubling times, and there are so many so-called truths out there that, I don't know if you notice, they often contradict one another. Satan always deals in half-truths. He's a liar, and I promise he's smarter than you. So how do we win this war? I believe Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against what? The knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is a war, a war for our minds, but we don't fight the way that the world fights. We don't wage war in the flesh. Instead, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. With that said, if you were a note taker or you want to just take some mental notes, that's okay too. I want to leave you with some some practical applications this morning. Watch what you feed your mind. Colossians 3, I'm sorry, Colossians 3, 1 through 5 tells us, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We've all heard the expression, you are what you eat. And while this may not be entirely scientifically true, I believe there is some truth to this in regards to what we feed our minds. If we truly want to be transformed in our thinking, we must be careful about the things that we're consuming. I don't know about you, but it's easy to sit down and, and scroll through Facebook for 45 minutes or an hour. I get these logistical things that come up on my phone saying, you spent 25% more time on Facebook last week. Oh, man, goodness sakes. It's easy to do. Or, or watch, you know, binge watch uh, a Netflix show or, or whatever your, your streaming service may be. It's easy to do. I'm as guilty as anyone, but it's in these times, church, that we must be especially careful to monitor those so-called truths that the world may be trying to throw your way, and it is. The second one, as I kind of alluded to earlier, we got to know the word. 
Satan is the father of lies. He uses the word. He used half-truths to lure us in, to lure, to lure Eve and Adam in, and make it seem like he was trustworthy. Both Eve's example in the garden and Jesus' example in the wilderness serve as examples of what it truly means to know the word or not. It is one thing to just know the word in bits and pieces. It's another thing, though, to know the word in its full context and apply it to each and every part of our lives. Satan appears as an angel of light, but persuades us by lying to us in half-truths. We must be diligent in our effort, efforts to identify those lies according to Scripture and apply the Scripture to our lives. Now, this is, this is kind of an interesting point here that I, I, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but um, the, the, the next thought I, I want to leave you with is this. Keep good company. 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us, don't be deceived. Bad, bad company corrupts good morals. The people we keep around us certainly impact the way we think. This is a verse that I memorized long ago, and I would recommend each of us to memorize this this week. We must be diligent to keep good company if we want to transform the way we think. Another thing is we, we, we need to seek help. We are never more in danger than, we feel, than when we feel alone in our minds. In these times, our minds are Satan's first target. And uh, we, we are all aware of, of how difficult 2020 and, and 2021 has started to be. The CDC, I just want to leave you with this, this statistic. The CDC reported in June of last year that 40% of all adults were dealing with either mental health or substance abuse. 40%. That was only in June. If you need to talk, talk to someone, if you're joining us online or here in person, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety or even substance abuse, we're no place to judge you. We want to help you. This is a point for those that are joining us online, so I want, I want to uh, really direct my attention here to, to the camera, and, and, and that is this. Church, if we want to be transformed in our way of thinking, we have to be in worship. Earlier, we, we talked about this idea that worship ultimately demands every part of our lives, but there's still a reason why we come together and worship every week. I know it's nice to wake up and, and watch church or go to church in your pajamas, and COVID has kind of made this the norm for our country, but we do, we do um, still value the gathering of the saints. We're told not to, not to um, forbid that from happening. So if you're, if, if you're at risk of making someone sick or becoming sick yourself, we want to encourage you to, to continue to worship online. But if you don't fall into that category, not for our sake, but for yours, we want to encourage you to come back to worship. If I say nothing else today, and I've said a lot, <laughs> if I say nothing else, I, I want to I say this. It's really impossible to be transformed into the image of Christ if you don't know Christ. You see, it's one thing to think good thoughts and live a good life and have good actions, but if you don't know Christ himself, then it's impossible to be transformed into his image. Titus 3.5 tells us, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Please do not leave today thinking that having a good thought life is going to make you right with God. Romans, again, tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is especially true in our thoughts. We've all sinned in this area. So if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus as your Savior, we want to invite you to text RESPONSE to this number on your screen. 
and a minister will be with you to talk about that shortly. Church, I hope you were able to grab a communion cup as you came in. And as we come into this time of communion, I wanna just encourage you to, um, to just take a minute to reflect on your thoughts, reflect on your heart as we come in remembrance of the body and the blood that was shed. Father in heaven, we, Lord, we're so grateful for your mercy because we know within our minds, Lord, we've all sinned. And Father, that that sin within our minds was enough to separate us from you. So Lord, we come to your table humbled by the fact that you've chosen for us to be your children. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in worship here together freely. Lord, we know that that is a tremendous privilege and that has an effect on how we think. So, Lord, help us to leave today with, with just this thought, Lord, that your grace and your mercy has overcome the grave, Lord. Father, that your mercy is more. Lord, we praise you and we thank you again for all that you've done in our lives. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you haven't already, let's go ahead and just take communion together. Would you please stand and continue worshiping with us?
thank you, Lord, for being with us today. For each one of us who were moved by Adam's words today, he will be outside as well as a couple of us other ministers if you have any questions. We send you today focused on the thoughts that you have and may they be changed and bring you closer to Jesus throughout this week. And then next week, Dave will be back with us sharing a word on transforming our work. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're here on campus, if you could have a seat until the usher comes and dismisses you, we would appreciate it. See you next week.